This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver. If your cell service sucks in the city, you're not alone. But it's not just the Rocky Mountains interfering with your phone calls. It could also be the trees. And nearly two decades ago, the Mile High City was known as Menver, a place supposedly teeming with single dudes. Does this stereotype still ring true? We're digging into these stories and all the other news that happened this week. Today is Friday, February 2nd. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the city where recently in my Facebook People You May Know section, a man in a fedora appeared, and his name is Jared Polis. Olivia, (laughs) I don't know if this is more of a problem um, with me still checking Facebook or the fact that our governor is a man that wears a fedora. What? I know. I just like was scrolling because honestly, I use Facebook as like the events. I check events that way. And then it was like People You May Know, and I was like, this is dork in a fedora and then I was like oh it just says Jared Polis it's not the it's not his official account just our governor just our governor <laughs> how many mutuals oh I didn't even click to look oh my god that's gonna be the real question wow I a fedora honestly not surprising f- he's trying to bring it back the fashion icon he is gay villain gay villain maybe he's got Ma- this could be the villain arc he leans into his geek vibes a lot so it's, it's giving experimental yeah, and I'm we're confused. You know, <laughs> we don't know what's going on. But anyway, it's Friday. We're in the 5280 Magazine Studios in beautiful downtown Denver. Joining me, you have heard her, uh, Olivia Jewell Love, our producer. Hello. Good morning, Bree. Good morning, and you also heard her voice. We have a great guest today. She's joined us in the past to talk about everything from strip club regulations to the price of eggs. Denver Post neighborhoods reporter Megan Ululani Boyanton, welcome back. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Our first story is one of your stories that you brought to us this week, Megan. Um, it's it's <laughs> The too long didn't read version is cell service in Denver sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that's absolutely it. <laughs> so crappy cell phone coverage. You talked to folks from Hilltop to Green Valley Ranch mm-hmm. who had this same issue. What did you hear from people? Uh, so what's interesting is... Um, what kind of started this story idea was I my last apartment was in Cap Hill, right off of Seventh Avenue, and I have never had such bad cell service in my life. In my, right in the middle of the yeah, city, right in the middle of the city, right by the Trader Joe's, and uh, so we struggled, my roommate and I, for about a year. Um, and now that I'm on um, the Denver Post's new neighborhoods beat, I was like, we got to get down to the bottom of this because I've noticed that outside of Cap Hill, when I'm driving um, or you know just tootling around the city, there are certain pockets where your cell service just completely drops off. You've got zero bars. Um, and so I wanted to know if if other people were struggling with it too. Uh, and it, it turns out that 
many, many Denverites <laughs> are. And it does have that no rhyme or reason feeling where you're just like, oh, this is the area. For me, it's this area of DU. My phone always just drops out. Olivia, do you, you live in Lakewood. What's your experience with this? It's really funny because there's when I'm going on Kipling towards um, towards like I-70 and 6, so towards like Arvada North, I guess, I'm directionally challenged, so Gen Z things. <laughs> but um, if I'm on the phone, I love – I'm – constantly on Bluetooth on my car talking to my mom. Um, but I, it will always drop off consistently. Same always spot. Mm-hmm. In the same spot, which is um, interestingly very close to the federal center, which I find a little oh. suspicious. Um, so you have some I have some conspiracy theories. theories about that. And the, we should do some digging. The, the <laughs> possible bunker that they won't let me come tour. Um, we have been trying to tour the federal they, center. They for declined months. that More to come invite. On that? Yeah, we, if they'll let us in. They won't. But um, <laughs> it always, and my mom will be like, I can't hear you. Are you on Kipling? And I'll be like, yeah. And then the call will drop. So every time, it's always it's always that street in that spot so it's very odd just like all these people in the story it's like everybody has their spots right every time every time very so megan what did you find out why is cell service so awful so i put out a tweet um to try and crowdsource for this and got dozens of responses like you said with very specific locations like specific intersections or maybe buildings that they're in um and after talking to the the three major carriers AT&T, Verizon and T-Mobile uh what their spokespeople told me is that a lot of um a lot of the impact comes from topography and so not specifically the Rockies not that far but the fact that like we have foothills you know as we get kind of closer to the edges of the city and then it can be anything as simple as like the leaves on trees can actually degrade or scatter your service but it could also be building materials of the building that you're in um, and then I actually had a reader reach out to me the next day and say that he used to work on these um, sites and that it can actually come down to zoning restrictions too that can determine like you know, if these sites end up being put in, in poor places and then you get bad performance as a result. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it is a lot of different factors. Definitely. Environmental for sure, but like from building to tree. Yeah, it's super localized. And so the way that like the performances in the Denver market could be very different from how it is in, in Phoenix or mm-hmm. in D.C. Interesting. And you talked to the carriers. Did, it, did you get a sense that they we're aware of this or we're working on it. I mean, because I, I have to be honest with you, I've switched services before and just felt like that would be the solution and then it's not. And then, you know, calling your your provider feels like calling into the void. Did they, right. they feel responsive at all? So I would say that T-Mobile was very upfront about, um, because I got some very specific complaints that I kind of detail at the bottom of the story. And I would say that they... Um, were direct in saying, you know, hey, thanks for outlining these particular neighborhoods, like the one that I live in now, Baker. Um, these are areas that we're going to continue, like, you know, working on setting up new transmission poles. Um, you know, this is on our radar. Uh, I, I think the other two carriers gave me kind of more of like the the broad stroke uh, outline of the investments that they're making into the community and how many cell sites they have, which I guess it can be hundreds. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, the further that you get away from your particular carrier's site, the worse your service gets. So I've learned a lot. It was uh, it was definitely something that I I think I didn't know as much about like the. I don't know, devices that we have in our pockets and why my service sucks so badly in certain places. It's interesting to me hearing this about Denver because when I was a reporter up in the foothills, mm. um, 
it was obviously a huge complaint, a huge issue I was hearing from everyone because um, a lot of those areas are really rural and they're in the mountains. So a lot of it is, you know, being able to get service to, you know, you can't really bury lines up there. A lot of them were getting lines up mm-hmm. there. Um, I know that there were some initiatives up in like Bailey and up in those unincorporated areas around there mm-hmm. that they were trying to get Starlink and stuff, but it was a really slow process and they were having to like prove need and stuff. And it was just, I was, I would constantly get emails from people being like, I can't even work from home because, you know, my service mm-hmm. drops out for my phone, for my Wi-Fi, for everything. So it's interesting to hear that even in the city, Oh, yeah. similar problems with that too yeah like in hilltop one of yeah. the women that i talked to said that she has to do wi-fi calling and that's i think one of the most expensive neighborhoods in uh-huh. the city yeah absolutely yeah I mean, so this kind of just doesn't even matter where you right. live you might have yeah it doesn't depend service. on class um. yeah, it's, it's still an issue i'm also thinking about i feel like there was a story last year about carriers and providers this issue impacting when someone like calls 911 like thinking about beyond you know using our phones which we do every day all day long for all sorts of everyday things but when it's in an emergency it feels almost like we had a thing like that happen up in um in clear creek county that their their like emergency lines went down um something (gasps) to do with people's phones not working and the emergency services. So it can be a real dangerous issue. Oh, yeah. I had a reader, uh, another reader reach out and he said that um, he lives in a suburb of Denver. And that's something that else that I had heard a lot was it's not just the city. Of course, it's it's the suburbs, too, um, especially as you get closer to the mountains. But um, this man said that uh, he has had, you know, emergency situations like having to call the police, having to call uh, an ambulance. And that um, during those times, he actually had to, like, walk away from the house, away from the emergency just to, to maintain service. service while on the phone with 911. Yeah, that's scary. that's so scary. That's But it's also, it's just like an ongoing modern problem too. Do you feel like there's changes being made or are we just, because the other thing I think about is like cell towers are often really ugly. Yeah, And I think that that's an issue is like people don't want them in their neighborhoods, right. but we also need them. We're a growing city. I, I wonder if there's anything that's going to change. You I know? think that's the point that that one reader, and I wasn't able to do research into you know his points, so take this with a grain of salt. But when he was talking about zoning restrictions, sure. it's you know sometimes residents they don't want this giant tower right there. But he's like, as a result, you might suffer from you know Bad poor service. service. And I guess um, another factor is it depends on how broad the area is too. So for these smaller towns, it might only take one cell site to cover the entire town. But in Denver, it takes hundreds and that's hundreds per carrier so they're everywhere yeah they're gonna be everywhere whose plan are you guys on at&t yeah me too which scored worst (laughs) that's what i have too i think i'm also on my sister's plan so i have no idea I'm on the She'd, family plan. I'm on my, parents. <laughs> my parents. My parents won't let me leave. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to leave. leave. I don't want to leave. No, my husband's on a plan from AT and T from like 1998 with his family, and it's like such a good deal. Exactly. They're never gonna. He's never leave. gonna leave his parents. I don't want to leave. I'm like, if my boyfriend and I get married, do I have to integrate him onto the plan? Oh, like, is this gonna I... be a legacy phone plan? <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then my last question though is, mm-hmm. uh, what was your first cell phone? Oh, I had one of those. It wasn't a Nokia, but it was like a, it was a red, not a flip phone, but it was one of those that you could like push it. Was it like an LG chocolate phone? Something like like that. It was, it was red though. You push it up. (laughs) And I remember playing snake on it. Um, But yeah, my parents didn't let me get a phone until 
like freshman year of high school. So I was like, mom, dad, please. And then they give me this thing. Um, but I learned really well uh, how to text underneath the table at dinner. Oh, so my yeah. parents were like, you know, no phones at the table. So I could be having a conversation with them and texting underneath. And, and not even looking. Click, right. Give it a quick uh, glance and then send um, <laughs> to whoever my crush was that day. So Olivia, what about you? What was your first phone? Um, I don't know like what it was. It wasn't one of the like cool named phone but it was sparkly purple so i will give it that and it had like the little center button on it was hot pink so that was my brand aesthetically obviously but it was a slide up phone and it had a qwerty keyboard um oh wow yeah because as we know i am gen z so um (laughs) i did not ever have to do the texting on the number keys i t9 i always had a qwerty a qwerty keyboard um but i i like i think i got my phone in like sixth grade which is crazy i know i know i really think it was that young I mean, it makes sense though. You're the you're born into this yeah, digital age. But my my parents were very like strict with the phone. We had to turn it in before bed, so we weren't texting oh, we at did night. Too. Um, so my parents like it would charge in their room at night. Um, they disabled the internet button, so you couldn't accidentally hit the internet button and charge it like five dollars. You know <laughs> Scott, how you like, were <laughs> smart. How you were like, they oh my god, what was up. yeah, um, and. Yeah, everything that could everything like get me into trouble or, yeah. was disabled. Um, smart, though. Which was very smart. That's smart. So, yeah. Well, I'm a cusp uh, Gen Xer, so I didn't get my first phone till college, and it was a Nokia, and I also played Snake on it, and this was pre-texting, so I didn't even have that option. <laughs> Later on, I did get a sidekick, though, which was nice. pretty sick. I do feel like we're very generationally um, represented right now, though, because I'm, <laughs> I'm a zillennial. I'm, like, right at the end of being a millennial, so... And we... <laughs> Yeah, I'm a Gen Z, or I'm a Gen X millennial cusp, and you're full Gen Z. Look at our stories. So cute. (laughs) Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, another news story. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is, like, surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade. Hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, and we're back. It's February, Valentine's Day is coming up, and this inevitably means conversations about dating in Denver, or in the past, as it has been called, Menver. Um, <laughs> you brought this topic to us, Megan, and I <laughs> did a little bit of digging. I can't wait to hear what you've been finding out. This is for a story upcoming you're working on. But 
The first mentions I could find of Denver's nickname being Menver were going back to 2006 in Westward. Westward described Menver as our, quote, reputation for having a surplus of single males. And uh, at that time in 2006, the ratio was 53% male to 47% female in Denver County. I mean, I guess that's, uh, I mean, it's a difference. I don't think it's a huge difference. Um, in 2017, Westward followed up with more men for numbers and said the U.S. government data suggests there are actually more available men than available women in the Mile High City, at least 19,000 more, in fact. Um, but Megan, you've been looking into this menver of 2024. <laughs> what have you found? Uh, it's not looking good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I So I... Um, I would pitch the story uh, to The Know, um, which covers entertainment at the Denver Post, because um, so I moved here in 2022 um, from D.C. And before I left, uh, I, I had first heard of this this Menver reputation. So it's nationally known um, because I had friends in D.C. that were like, you're going to move there and you're going to get a boyfriend immediately. Like everybody <laughs> knows that like you move to Denver if you want to get into a committed relationship because there are like so many more men there that outpopulate women. Um, so this was like the national um recognition of Denver amongst women and LGBTQ people, even just a couple of years ago. And it was funny in my case, because that is how it worked. Uh, I I met my boyfriend who would become my boyfriend like a month after like moving here (laughs) on a camping trip. Oh, Um, wow. That is a very Denver story. Yes. (laughs) But we started dating like three months later and I was like, I'm one of the, (laughs) I'm one of the stats. Um, But now, a couple of years later, uh, so I was kind of spared from the apps, but I have a bunch of girlfriends who have been on it, um, and they've been saying that, you know, it's it's looking bleak out here. Uh, I've, I've heard theories about how um, people think, I mean, I don't know if this is Denver specific or just in, in every big city, but that, you know, all of the good ones have officially been taken now. Right, uh, right. And it came to a head because there's a, a popular podcast, a love and dating podcast called Girls Gotta Eat. And um, they're based in L.A., but they have a bunch of girlfriends in Denver and they were ranking best and worst cities uh, to date in. And this came out on Monday. And uh, they said that from all of their listeners in Denver – it's been crazy because as of five years ago, they also referred to it as Menver. This is where like, you know, women go if they want to find, you know, a, a partner. And uh, now they said that it's totally flipped on the, its head since the pandemic, that all they hear from Denver listeners are about how men out here have Peter Pan syndrome. And um, like, and for people who might not know what that is, it's that they never want to grow old, uh, never want to, I guess, they Terminally stay, exactly, teenagers or exactly children. stay one age for the rest of their life, um, that men out here have commitment issues, that they prioritize everything else above relationships. So um, I knew that this would be opening the floodgates when I uh, kind of put out a few all calls for uh, for tea, but um, <laughs> but I've not been disappointed thus far. Interesting, uh, Olivia. I would say, I mean, you've you've moved here in the last couple of years as well. Um, you've also recently met someone. What Megan's saying does this reflect your experience? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'll say I've been on the apps. Um, I will say I've seen a lot of the. Peter Pan syndrome, as you'll say. Um, But I don't know that that's um, 
I don't know that that's unique to Denver so much as it is unique to um, men in a certain age group. Gen- generationally, <laughs> like, maybe a little bit. Like, yeah, I just seems like a lot of guys in this like age group don't know what they want yet. Maybe I don't know. Um, maybe I don't know. That's just that's my uneducated guess on that. But. Um, I don't know. I I hear what I hear you're saying though is kind of tying into this other narrative we're hearing right now, which is like how uh, millennials and Gen Zers maybe don't feel like adults for certain reasons because these things that we've been told are markers of adulthood we can't achieve, right? Like owning a home or getting married at a certain age. And I wonder if that just like has a little bit to do with the Peter Pandas is like, well, I can't really attain those things. So I might as well just do whatever I want. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've definitely heard the like stereotype of Denver men and women being like afraid of commitment for sure. Like I've seen lots of TikToks making fun of it being like, we're Denver girlies. We're not going to commit to you. (laughs) Like a lot of that. Um, And I, I don't know that that's necessarily unique to here or just to people in this generation. Yeah. I mean, I've certainly like met plenty of guys who are like that, but I've also met plenty of guys who are like. I met plenty of guys like that too twenty years exactly. ago here. You know exactly. what I mean? I don't know if it feels but, particularly. I mean, I think. I mean, there's a there's a lot of single guys here. Yeah, I, that's what I was wondering too, because like the the 2006 experience that uh, Westward sort of made created this picture of was like. Yeah, it's just men teaming with men. <laughs> and and Megan, is that like is that what folks are telling when you when you reach out, when you hear it from folks, what are they telling you about their like experience actually in the city? So I will say, um, of course I've had friends uh weigh in and I, I can't quote them, um, but they have been great for background <laughs> research. One of my uh guy friends, he's thirty-five and um he's lived here at, at least ten years. And he responded to my all call and was like, I know you can't use this, but just, you know, from my perspective, I do think that there are way more women here now than when I first moved here. And so I thought that was really interesting because I think he was probably part of that first wave of um or part of that initial wave that made Menver Menver. Sure. But I don't when I was, you know, briefly on the apps for a few months out here, I mean, I don't think that compared to some of my friends' experiences, I thought that I had a really great time, I think, like <laughs> dating and meeting guys out here. Like I I thought that I met some like really nice people, although it ultimately didn't work out. Um, but I don't know. I, it seems to me that I don't think that it's availability is the issue. It it sounds more like from what I've heard from from different women um, that it's it's the quality of man. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. That's like a really nice way of saying it because it's like there's a lot, but it's like, are you gonna want what's one of out them? there? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And it, it's it's interesting because like as someone, I spent. A little bit of time on the apps and it's interesting because like there's a lot of like different types of people on the different apps like it seems like almost like a paralysis of choice like there's so much to choose from or I maybe, guess so. maybe the app experience the too. app yeah. experience too because that's the other thing i'm thinking about with this menver thing of 2006 when people were meeting online apps didn't exist yet um and meeting online i will say 20 years ago was not something you talked about out right, loud. Right. It was sort of a, not a shame thing, but like a, 
you know, we met on, like I had a yeah. boyfriend I met on MySpace kind of thing. And like my friends knew, but it wasn't something you super talked about. And it's such a different experience now. Like I have tons of friends that met on um, on Tinder, on Hinge, yeah. that are still together. So maybe it's just like that difference too in the accessibility of how we're meeting people. Yeah, I think it's definitely a reflection of our modern society. I mean, we do everything online. Why wouldn't we also meet people sure. online? So. Sure. Makes I felt sense. like when I was on the apps, it was kind of like, um, and maybe this is why, you know, I it's better that I meet people in person because for me, I feel like having like my hinge, it was almost like having a Tamagotchi I on know. my foot where it's yeah. like I had my profile and I'd maybe check in every few days and, and feed it. And then, yeah. <laughs> and yes. then, you know, a, a week goes by and then you're like, oh, hey, I forgot about this. Um, but I will say that I'm, I've been getting a, a wide range of like ages and um, sexualities. And I I spoke with a woman yesterday who's in her 50s and she's dating again. Um, and what I thought was really interesting was that she had moved here. She just broke up with a long-term partner um, and she had moved here, I think, 15 years ago or so from um, New York. And mm. that was the last place that she had dated. And she said that in New York, their dating stereotypes back then were what what ism do you have? Do you have workaholicism? Do you have alcoholism? Like um, <laughs> that was the the stereotype there. Whereas here, she says that the issue has more so been, okay, do you have the capacity to fit me into your schedule? Because she says that she'll meet nice people, but that they'll be like, hey, we can go for a date tonight, but then I'm going to be gone for two weeks mountain biking. And then I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be skiing every weekend until April. And then, you know, I it's just that here everybody's right. Everybody's so full of activities all the time that it's hard to find somebody who will give you a chance to pursue a relationship when they have so many other things going on. That's so interesting. Also, just like thinking about New York dating, I'm sure, versus here. I lived in New York for a little while. It's like, again, there's just so many people, so many different types of people, places you can meet people, people that are into different things. And I can see where Colorado too has a, people move here because of that lifestyle thing. So also maybe if you're not one of those people, it's harder to meet folks. You know, if you're not a super active person, I don't know. This is just like, the other thing I, I'm thinking about is the straight codedness of the Menver conversation of right. 2006 was very much just about heterosexual relationships. Did you find Megan talking to folks that that is kind of not out the window, but we're, we're talking about many different types of, of folks and experiences and relationships now. Definitely. Well, and what I have found actually from my own personal experience being an LGBTQ person yeah. and um, some of my close girlfriends is that, uh, and actually even some of my sources, is that uh, dating women out here is, is very hard. Um, I've heard that is, I guess that may play into the men versus stereotype just because um, one of my best friends, uh, she says that, you know, the the queer community out here among women um, and eligible women, it is so small that, you mm. know, you date one woman and then it's like everybody that you date from there on out is either friends with her or knows her or um, and the source that I talked to yesterday said that it's a lot harder to meet women out here than it was when she was back in New York. And and I found that to be the case, too, when I was on the apps. I felt like for every um a woman that I was trying to talk to, there were maybe two or three for every, you know, 30 men. So um, I, I do think that the landscape, at least among, you know, lesbian and queer women um, is is definitely uh, scant. 
I could see that too. Just reflective in Denver versus somewhere like a New York or an Oakland, where it's just right. more an openly queer place. And it's not that we aren't a queer place, but we're clearly not attracting as many queer folks to the community of, of Denver to to shift that dynamic a little bit. The women are cuffed and <laughs> yeah. the menvers, the menvers are still looking. And that's this is um I think a, an area of reporting that I definitely want to flesh out before the the story wraps next week is I'd love to talk to more um LGBTQ men who are dating men um to to find out I mean since it is menver do do they have any issue meeting men out here? I'd be I'd be curious to know. Yeah, that would be great to find out. So if you're listening, reach out to me. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, we can put a a link in our show notes for folks to reach out to you because definitely the more stories you can get, the better picture you can get of what a Denver of 2024 looks like for folks in the dating world. This is very much a crowdsourcing story. So please come to me with your hot takes, with your your tea. I'd love to hear it. (laughs) We need it. We need the tea to survive. We need the gossip. You can also, you can call our hot hot dating hotline, 720-500-5418. Let us know what you think about Menver, the idea of a Menver in 2024, and how that maybe is or is not reflected in your experiences in the dating world. Uh, We're going to take one more break, and when we come back, our wins and fails of the week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And we're back. Wins and fails, Rocky Mountain highs and lows, things that were awesome this week in Denver, things that totally sucked. Let's start with fails so that we can end on a good note. Uh, Olivia, do you have a fail? <laughs> I've got a fail. Let's hear it. <laughs> I'm so excited for this fail because, Megan, when you walked in with your Stanley Cup, I got so excited, <laughs> which I'm not going to lie. I have a Stanley Cup. I am a cup girly. Anyone playing the Olivia girly drinking game, take a drink now. Yep. But... Um, <laughs> There's the Stanley Stanley Cup lead scare. Oh, I did see this. <laughs> There's this whole thing that went around that, oh my God, Stanleys have lead in them. Um, and it, we're talking about the viral Stanley Cup. It's got the little handle on the side, straw at the top, fun colors. You have to have seen them unless you live in a bunker. Um, anyway, so... Everybody's like, oh my gosh, there's lead in them. And then some people started doing at-home lead tests, which according to professionals are highly unreliable. I know. I was going to say, but, it's just like I saw a bunch of pictures of someone with a dirty Q-tip. And yes. was like, at any look rate, what I found. At any rate, scientific. everybody right. has ran with this. And they're like, oh my God, lead. Well, some scientists were like, um, turns out, yeah, there is lead on the inside of the cup. Um, nowhere where you're going to touch it when you drink it's like on the inside, but it's not on any of the superficial surfaces. Okay. But um, the doctor, there's a doctor that weighs in on this. I'm looking at a New York Times article because New York Times was wow. like, Wow, New York Times was on Let's it. pick up on the Stanley trend because clickable, clicks, clickable. Baby. <laughs> this doctor is calls this poor thinking to use <laughs> any sort of lead to begin with on a drinking cup because... 
I'm really disheartened and sort of angry that a company like this uses a known toxic ingredient that is banned in many applications for a cup. He said, I mean, surely there could have been an alternative. (laughs) So no, you're not going to get lead poisoning, but there is lead inside the cup. And it's just funny. And I'd be curious what our other brands are well, so carrying around. Other brands too. have responded, such okay. as Hydroflask came, ah. clapped back on Instagram, and they said they had a little carousel. They said lead question mark. They said, oh, we've never had lead on <laughs> our bottles. <laughs> I love brands talking oh, to each other. Brands so, snapping their way through a yeah, carousel. Yeah. So anyway, there's lead, but you're not gonna have any problems unless you like break it open and lick it. So yeah, I think Stanley put out a statement that they said the only way that you could have lead exposure is if it gets destroyed. Crack it open. Yeah. or Something. So don't. Should we crack it open? I mean, <laughs> for the bit. smash it out front. <laughs> Let's do it. Anyway, so, you know, maybe we just have to go back to the old Colorado style of a Nalgene bottle with some lukewarm water some in it. Some microplastics and a little bit of microplastics. PFAS. That's my boyfriend. <laughs> favorite right there the old school now yeah. that's like very man-coded <laughs> yeah. truly it's not cutesy no room temp now the bottle pop. looks like he's not on it a little but he's probably <laughs> or <his dog> has. <laughs> but it's like probably just like hit a bunch of concrete uh megan do you have a fail yes and it's in my apartment building which <laughs> for the most part i love but um the neighbor like three doors down from me keeps leaving like his boxes in front, like to the, well, first it was to the side of his door, and I've they've been sitting out there. They're like supposed to go to recycling, like empty Amazon yeah, boxes, exactly. And they've been sitting out there for like days now. So when I get done with this podcast, I'm about to go be a Karen and go and talk to my property manager and be like, "We got to handle this because I like at this point since I live so close to it, I've like." moved the boxes like in front of his door yeah, to like signal angry like, neighbor sir, sir and when i walked by it last night it was just like stomped over like so- <laughs> <laughs> and so okay this is my theory and i could be totally making this up but oh, my theory, theory is because there's a man's name on these boxes is that i wonder if a man and his girlfriend live there together and that she's been nagging him to take out these boxes. And so she was like, you know, I'm going to put the boxes outside and then he can just take care of it. And then when I moved it back in front of the door, I wonder if she saw that was like, he still hasn't taken out these boxes, (laughs) like stomped all over them to get inside. I don't know. Uh, This is my theory. You're getting into passive aggressive note territory, maybe. I was thinking that this morning, actually. I think you should make like a fort out of them or like a tower, somehow tape them together and like draw on it and just be like, like, take me to the recycle. This is is the capital of passive aggressiva. Right. Should I start just piling my recycling on top of it in front of their door? This is where it goes. He takes it all. Maybe the whole hallway will band against this man. Probably. We love some. If you're listening, community action. Take your recyclables. Take your recycling out. Flatten it, please. Thanks. I'm so upset about it. All right. Um, Bree, your fail? My fail is uh, Graystar, the apartment rental company, is unfortunately at it again. It's yours. I'm pretty, yeah. They own your building. Uh, I just did a story on them. Maybe my old one. Actually, yeah. Well, they have been sued. uh, Yep. Or they're in the process of being sued by a a Colorado woman, I think from Lakewood, right? Mm -hmm. For junk fees being tacked onto her rent. Um, But they're at it again by charging a family $4,000 in early termination fees and keeping the deposit of their mom's unit because she died. Oh, jeez. Oh, mm-hmm. um, the rental company says her dying meant she broke her lease. <gasps> uh-huh. So they should just leave her in there? I mean, I-, I couldn't. I was like, I don't even know how to process this for this family. They're already going through hell, and this is the response of their rental company. So 
Like, big fail, Graystar. You oh, I almost want to reach together. out and get, like, an exact statement from them on this. Yeah, seriously. Like, <laughs> seriously. They should just, I, like, it's so morbid, but just, like, leave her in there and be like, all right, here's some cleaning <laughs> fees. Like, God. Okay, I guess she's well, going like, like, to, like, get her rent passed, And she passed away unexpectedly, and her, oh. her family... Her family was just like taking care of everything, and all of a sudden they just get a bill from Graystar for four grand. Our readers love stories about landlords. The when we uh, broke uh, the news about the um, attorney general. Oh no, sorry, that was yeah, but that was with a different. The, it was a the different. Older, there was a million dollar yep, suit though with another rental company that got like fifty thousand clicks. This Graystar class action proposed class action lawsuit has gotten a ton of views. Uh, people in Colorado love reading stories about, about how many folks are renting right now. Too, oh, I know. You know what I mean? And like this woman was living in like an, a 55 plus community. Her family was Aww. really, they, she'd moved in there just in October. She hadn't Aww. been there super long. They were super excited to have her in a place that was like <sighs> for her. And just to have that, you know, you're already dealing with death, just like such a nightmare. Jeez. So Dang. thumbs down, Graystar. Ooh. Let's talk about happy stuff. Olivia, what's your win? I think that, okay, so this is like coming from, I guess Fox 31 tweeted this. And I think that they were trying to like, kind of stir the pot and get people to like just rage in the comments but which you know I guess I mean, that's, if you're tweeting at this I point I guess that's yes. kind of what what we're doing now but I took it as a win um because I think it is so they were like the whole premise of this was that um since 2018 in Colorado you can now um have your uh sex on your driver's license um be male female or x and you don't have to have any um, like medical documentation or any surgeries or any behavioral documentation, anything like that. You can now so it's a choice. just you can have it. You know, system. you can make the choice. Or if you're under 18, your parent can make the choice. And so they were saying, like, we got this data that says since 2018, it's gone up every year that people, you know, now there's over a thousand people in 2023 that put X on their license, which great yeah. I was like Amazing. I was like that I, I think that's a huge win and also a huge duh yeah because like you just started allowing this to happen and so of course more people are gonna do it but they were kind of implying like oh my gosh more people are becoming oh, gender non-binary like, just because the I options there and I'm like yeah. I don't think that that's how that works but I do <laughs> no. think it's a huge win I'm glad that people have that option for their license and you know however you want to spin it on Twitter that's how I took it <laughs> Great yeah. job, Colorado. I'm glad we can do that. No, I love that. And that's also, I mean, but when you look at similar trends too, it's just so, I, so the Census Bureau, um, I'm multiracial. And as of a few years ago, they let you identify as multiracial. And so in the years following, yeah. that was also, everybody was like, oh, oh my more gosh. people, wait, there's more multiracial <laughs> people. people right from? And it's like, well, you just gave us the option to choose <laughs> that. So duh. Like, so that do you think totally they just spawned? Like right. what? <laughs> That's such an easy rage baity thing too, though. So you know what I mean to just be like, yeah. oh my god, more gay I, people than that's ever. That's what because, everyone was doing like, in what? the comments, and I was like, let's just like use a little reasoning here. Yeah, but but anyway, it is one of those easy clickbait. Yeah. Things. At any rate, I was like, that's a huge win. I'm really happy for, for us. You know, all my Big non-binary dope. people out there. Good for us. I'm gonna go and then I'm gonna have you go, Megan, because mine is like Perfect. good, but it sounds like a bummer. Um, <laughs> Sequest in Southwest Plaza is closing. Fox 31 reported um, this was the sort of like entertainment animal space um, that opened in 2018, and I think within a week of opening, they had uh, complaints about the treatment of the animals based on like 
basic USDA and agricultural nor like the how the basic things the way they should be doing taking care of these animals. The inspector said that Sequest Littleton had multiple back rooms where they were keeping birds and animals that had unsealed concrete floors as well as where macaws were tearing into drywall. Oh jeez. Oh it was it was awful. Um Fox went in to investigate themselves in 2018 and found a murky tank going through bacteria bloom, filthy enclosures of the capybara pen, and an escaped Aww. lizard on concrete floors. But all that to say, this place doesn't get to be open anymore. So they're closed. Well, thank God for that. Yeah, <laughs> I just hope say, the animals get Yeah, I was going to say, does it say where they're going? They don't. Unfortunately, oh. this is a uh, chain of places. Yeah. So un- they may be taking these I was reading that they've place. had a lot of, like, investigations into violations yeah, in the since past. they opened uh, the and details are just long. horrible so oh, i had never heard of this very sad of this place. very sad it's, a lot of animal abuse so i'm glad i'm glad that they're so closing at least they're closing this so, location hopefully this leads to investigations you know, this into is a good basis so. good opportunity donate to your local conservation org yeah <laughs> sanctuary wild animal sanctuary megan you want to close this out with your win absolutely so um Over the past couple of years, uh, it's been news around Denver that the Department of Excise and Licenses has uh, launched a new residential rental property license program, which means that uh, both single units and um, multifamily units uh, have to go to the city and pass um, these certain inspections in order to get a license from the city because the city is trying to get a a good count on the amount of apartments uh, here in Denver and also to make sure that there's kind of like a a baseline standard of living across the board. Um, So since then, they've... uh, all, all of these mandates have gone into effect. Um, and as of now, every apartment should be licensed. And so today, Excise and Licenses just uh, launched a portal where if you suspect that your apartment is not licensed and you're dealing with any um, you know, unsanitary or unsafe conditions, that you can actually uh, file a complaint directly with the department and they will check into it for you. Oh, wow. oh, that's great. That's I know awesome. that tenants' rights have been a big conversation here in the last couple of years and giving folks that opportunity to interact directly with the agent, the city agency that handles this, I feel like is a, a great step for tenants because so often it feels like the landlords only have that direct line, but now you have a place to say, hey, like maybe my water's been out, yeah. my hot water's been out or... You know, we have a pest problem or something. So yeah, big that's win. awesome. Big yeah. win for tenants because my my last landlord was it. It was just a, a really terrible living situation. So I know that I would have loved to have had, you know, uh, such a direct line of access to yeah. the city to like look into totally. it. Totally. To have that's some great. yeah, to have some have some autonomy over your. Sp- I mean, it's just it, it's a common conversation. I think about how many times we've talked about renting and just in this yeah. show. Even not even related to just this particular thing. It's something that so many folks in the city are doing. So that's that's awesome. Good win. Cool. Well, Megan, Olivia, thank you so much. Thank you all so much for having me. It's been a pleasure as always. Yeah, great to chat with you guys. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were Paul Caroli, Olivia Jewell-Love, and Lizzie Goldsmith. Peyton Garcia and Adrian Gonzalez write our morning newsletter, Hey Denver. And I'm Bree Davies, your host. Our music is by Los Mogachetes with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, follow us on Instagram at CityCastDenver, and tell all the single people in your life about us next time you see them. You can sign up for our daily newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. 
See you next week. listening to Nirvana so much and I haven't listened to Nirvana this much since like 1993 um when I was 13 and I was in love with Kurt Cobain I had a dream last night he was my boyfriend and it was it was a great dream I was hanging out with Nirvana it was it was kind of awesome